Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, and that link will be in the show notes. Everything we put in the mouth, it is shifting and changing our oral microbiome, whether it's food, whether it's a filling, whether it's a retainer for your orthodontics, and whether it's toothpaste. And just like we're starting to be more mindful with our skin products and our cosmetics and our shampoo and conditioner, we really need to be very mindful about our oral healthcare products. Stress is the inflammation that robs us of life, energy, and happiness. Our typical solutions for gut health and hormone balance have let a lot of us down. We're over-medicated and underserved. At The Less Stressed Life, we're a community of health-savvy women exploring solutions outside of our traditional Western medicine toolbox and training to raise the bar and change our stories. Each week, our hope is that you leave our sessions inspired to learn, grow, and share these stories to raise the bar in your life and home. Today on The Less Stressed Life, I have Dr. Stacey Whitman, who's a functional kids dentist in North Portland, Oregon. She's the founder of No Poke Kids Dentistry, where she takes a whole body holistic and functional approach with her parents. Her dentistry and practice is grounded by science and powered by love. And she dreams of a world without cavities and believes in motivating families to join her as a team, keeping their children healthy and thriving with small, manageable daily changes, which is What a heartwarming bio to start with. And there's a whole lot more we'll throw in the show notes. But thanks so much for coming on the show today, Dr. Stacy. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Excited chat teeth. Perfect. So I had Dr. Blodgett on. He warmly recommended Dr. Stacy Whitman. I think I was asking him some client questions, actually. Oh, cool. Yeah, Kelly's a really good friend. Yeah. So on that note, I'm going to jump, just jump right in. So I'm going to make this maybe a three-pronged question. Let me tell you the story and then we'll jump into this and you can go wherever you want with it. So this client was experiencing a mold situation in the home and very health-conscious, health-oriented family using all the things and dealing with what she would have considered doesn't make sense cavity situations. And so She had some questions around, could cavities and mold be connected, especially in children? And so that's the question, but maybe if you want to break it even further into what are some really unexpected root causes of dental things that happen in normally healthy families? Yeah, great question. 
Yeah. So I definitely think the brush, floss, and avoid sugar recommendations are pretty antiquated. I mean, yes, they're important, but obviously there are so many families doing all of those things and cavities are still the number one chronic disease in children globally, actually in adults too. So obviously we're missing something. And this is where functional dentistry steps in is sort of looking deeper into the root cause of these issues. So the first thing I think of is mouth breathing. And that could coincide with mold, certainly, especially if you have mold in your sinuses, you're chronically inflamed and chronically congested, and you start mouth breathing. That is a top reason for cavities, especially in kids that I think a lot of people are overlooking. And mouth breathing airway issues is also a silent epidemic in children. They estimate up to 80% of kids have some sort of sleep disorder breathing or breathing dysfunction. And so why does mouth breathing affect the teeth? It's because when we breathe through our mouth, our saliva dissipates. So we get dry mouth or xerostomia and the pH drops. Most pathogenic anaerobic bacteria, they love a low pH. They love acid and an acidic environment. And so a dry mouth and acidic mouth, it just sets us up for imbalances in our oral microbiome, particularly those pathogenic microbes. And so, yeah, for sure. I haven't read a lot of studies or science on the mold tooth decay connection. I think that's just because it hasn't happened or occurred yet. But I absolutely think we are underestimating the effects of mycotoxins in our bodies and what that's doing systemically. Well, I mean, the mold could cause the sinus congestion, which makes them mouth breathing, right? Or it might just be some other. It's just one reason. What's the cause of the mouth breathing, I guess, is the... 100%. And then also, you know, candida and yeast are top cavity causer as well. And so we're just generally focused on bacteria, but we know fungus is a huge contributor to oral dysbiosis and oral disease too. And in my practice and many other biological and functional dental practices, we're starting to do oral microbiome testing. And so candida and fungus, even H. pylori, These agents that we normally wouldn't think of associated with oral disease are showing up on people's oral microbiome tests. And so that it allows us to approach things differently rather than just saying, come in for a cleaning and floss more, um, which is really gaslighting patients, I think, for these families that are just trying so hard and they're eating clean and they, they just feel like they're doing everything right. Their kids keep getting cavities. I think it just adds another layer of information that's very important. Yeah. Lots to get into here. Let's kind of go big picture and let's talk about the mouth breathing and airway stuff. Mm -hmm. And then let me come back to bacteria and fungus and H. pylori and testing because this is something I work on in practice. And I could only imagine, I guess I'm going to start there because that's where my question is going first. And I feel like airway is going to get us off on a whole different tangent. Yeah. So the tricky part about this probably as a dentist is Maybe, maybe not. It's like, it's just one of those things of no more do better, right? Or no better do better situation. And so love to hear more about the oral microbiome testing that you're doing, the experience, how that's going. And then what do you do with these results? Because are you then trying to manage an oral, which is really a whole gut protocol, or are you referring out or do you have someone in your practice trying to work on it? Because I could only imagine, and I love dental because I feel like anything you're seeing is something like I think the mouth is obviously this whole window to the body. It's like if you're seeing this in the mouth, then it must be a big problem inside the body. 100%. I mean, yes. And I think people are starting to really grasp that, that 
we are fortunate that we can see inside the mouth. We can't see inside our gut. We can't see inside some internal organs, but it really is a snapshot into the health of the patient. You know, do they have gum disease, periodontal disease, halitosis? You can see nutritional deficiencies in the mouth. So it's really much beyond the teeth. And that is where functional dentistry comes in as well. I mean, I think there's two technicians, people that need to fix teeth. We'll always need that component of dentistry, but we also need tooth physicians that can help connect dots, refer out as needed, and really help um, get our patients to optimal health. So to answer your question, I currently am using Bristle oral microbiome test, and we can put that in the show notes. I like Bristle the best right now. It is direct-to-consumer. But they are the only oral microbiome test out there now that's using shotgun metrogenomics, which means basically they're looking at the whole range of potential bacteria. Now we know there's potentially up to 800 different species in the mouth. So traditional oral microbiome testing maybe is just testing for the top 15 really virulent pathogenic bacteria, but not the whole gamut. And so it's very easy. It's a spit test. And they have a very beautiful interface, a website that gives you your results and recommendations. You can sign up for online one-on-one coaching with a functional hygienist, which is really wonderful. What do I do with the results? Yes, I look at them. I interpret them. Now, granted, I work in pediatrics, so it's not, I don't see as wild of the results as I might with an adult patient with periodontal disease. But if I do see something like candida or yeast pop up there or H. pylori, it also will test for just gut dysbiosis as well. Then I do work with a naturopathic physician in my area or functional medicine doctor. I am functional medicine certified through IFM and I'm getting my functional diagnostic certification. So I do hope at some point to have some sort of micro practice where I can be doing the gut mapping myself and really helping the child in it's in their entirety and what they need. But right now we do refer out. So it, it's, you know, I take care of the things in the mouth and the other doctors take care of the gut, but we have to be working together. And this is where I think a lot is lost is, you know, you might go to a naturopath or a functional medicine provider with gut dysbiosis, intestinal permeability, all of these issues, SIBO, and you make progress through protocols and treatments, but is anyone looking at your mouth? And they're really simpatico. We swallow 2,000 times a day. So we are inoculating our guts with bacteria that shouldn't be there, especially if you have periodontal disease. We're still doing research on how they communicate, what bacteria are actually making it through the stomach acid into the intestines. How are they affecting things? But we know you cannot have proper oral health without proper gut health and vice versa. It's really bi-directional. There's the oral gut access. And so working together as a team is really paramount, including with kids. Yeah. Once you're working with kids, you really have two clients or three because you have their parents and the child and all the emotions related to that. So it's not a problem. And sometimes, I mean, the thing with kids is that they can be, like you said, more straightforward sometimes than an adult can who's had a longer history of times. But the complex part for me, because I work on these things with kids, it's like, it's like lowest effective dose is the right answer because they're all different weights and sizes and like, what are they going to tolerate? Compliance. There's the magic one. You know, that's a big one. Yeah. Just makes it more interesting. Just more exciting. Keeps it spicy. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's less boring. 
it's so rewarding because, you know, and so many of these children too, I mean, we're seeing more pans and pandas and just more chronic illness. Mm-hmm. And sometimes cleaning up the mouth or just having a dental provider look and be able to put pieces together, it can really help, especially with that airway component. Or are we seeing zinc deficiency and B vitamin deficiencies and vitamin C deficiency in the mouth, which we can see if you know to look for it. And then working more collaboratively, and that's the integrative approach. And so that's really the movement with functional dentistry is that we're really trying to educate fellow colleagues to look beyond the tooth and to work with other providers, because that's truly how we're going to get our patients healthy. Yeah, super. Okay, so you made me think of some things when we were talking about what's going on in the mouth. And I got to thinking about, is it Chinese tongue mapping? Or like, do you look at the tongue? Anything you want to say about that? I think it's really cool. It's this whole separate conversation. Again, I don't use it a lot with kids, but it, it can be used a lot in the adult population, I think, at least to give us guidance into what might be happening deeper. It just kind of opens our eyes to places to explore at a different level. I will say, you know, looking at the tongue, again, you can see nutritional deficiencies um, geographic tongue is a big one in the pediatric population that gets poo-pooed a lot or brushed off by other providers as, oh, it's benign, it's fine. But geographic tongue can be associated with Crohn's or celiac or gluten intolerance, other nutritional deficiencies too. So if you do have geographic tongue, that's when you have bald spots that kind of migrate and move around the tongue. You know, it's one tube. It's all the same. And so if there are anomalies in the mouth, if you're getting a lot of oral ulcerations, there very likely are things happening within as well. And they just haven't become symptomatic yet. Yeah. And so it's nice to stay ahead of these things that are just smoldering rather than full-blown fires. And so a lot of these kids will send to the other providers we work with. They'll do some gut testing, gut mapping. And sure enough, they have, you know, fill in the blank. They have Crohn's, they have celiac, they have nutritional deficiencies that would have been ignored because in school we're taught, oh, this is benign, no harm, no foul, send the patient out the door. And if I may, I would also say fungal overgrowth and bacterial overgrowth with geographic tongue also, wouldn't you agree? And maybe oral ulcerations similar along with deficiencies it seems yeah and oral ulcerations a lot we see a lot of celiac too that has not been diagnosed or just gluten i mean i think a lot of people think those come with a lot of gi distress but really we see a lot of skin Mm -hmm. issues a lot of the kids have um eczema or psoriasis or or oral ulcerations Mm -hmm. or neuro stuff right mood changes a lot of it can be mood not always got unfortunately okay since we started with cavities a little out of order, but let's talk about these toothpaste we were talking offline. So the kind of sort of holistic approach to cavity prevention, I feel, is hydroxapatite currently. What yes. would you say about that? Yeah, I agree. Especially nanohydroxyapatite is what the literature is showing is most effective and biomimetic. You know, our enamel and dentin is comprised primarily of hydroxyapatite, which is essentially calcium and phosphorus. Our enamel is 90 to 95% hydroxyapatite. Our bones are 60%. So as opposed to using fluoride, which has a slew of concerns, of course, we're using something more biomimetic. There are some concerns with nanoparticles, but that has been blown out of proportion a bit, I think, especially in the United States social media craze. 
Um, I will say the FCCS in Europe, they've done multiple years of studies on nanoparticles and hydroxyapatite. And what it comes down to is like anything, the source, the size, the shape. A lot of toothpaste, unfortunately, are sourcing their hydroxyapatite from not so great manufacturing facilities like in China. And so there needs to be more transparency in the market. That being said, I'm a big advocate for hydroxyapatite, both nano and micro. But the other thing with toothpaste that I think is still not perfected is not including surfactants and emulsifiers and excessive essential oils and additives that just aren't necessary and that could be negatively influencing the oral microbiome. I think we're underestimating, you know, everything we put in the mouth, it is shifting and changing our oral microbiome, whether it's food, whether it's a filling, whether it's a retainer for your orthodontics, and whether it's toothpaste. And we just, just like we're starting to be more mindful with our skin products and our cosmetics and our, you know, shampoo and conditioner, we really need to be very mindful about our oral healthcare products. Because we are learning more and more that the oral microbiome is very influential over the entire system, multiple organ systems, you know, gut, our gut microbiome, et cetera, as we talked about. So less is more, I think, and starting to read ingredients is really, really important for the consumer. Okay. So a couple of questions. Let's talk about antimicrobial style toothpaste and then maybe a little nitric oxide. And then since we're already on toothpaste, we're going to talk about if you were going to create a toothpaste, what would go into it? But first, let's talk about antimicrobial toothpaste, short-term, long-term use. I mean, mm-hmm. when people have, quote, coated tongue, et cetera, I have found this to be a helpful short-term situation. Yes, I agree. I agree. So I have used this. You know, it's been very nice. Like, your teeth are very clean when you use certain ones of these, I have found. Uh, that's how I feel about it. This is how my the lady who cleans my teeth also feels about this. However, I've had some nitric oxide experts on talking about this and saying, do not ever use antimicrobials in the mouth because of nitric oxide production stuff. Can you speak to this a little bit? Yeah. So it's nuanced and we don't fully understand the oral microbiome. I mean, truly, the research is happening as we're recording this. It's really a hot topic right now. But yes, I mean, there are very important microbes in the mouth that influence nitric oxide production. And especially if you're using astringents, you know, more traditional mouthwashes or really harsh toothpaste that can wipe out these bacteria. And there are studies showing increased blood pressure and cardiovascular concerns because of nitric oxide's benefits to the cardiovascular system. So that's concerning. You know, people who are swishing with Listerine every day and might have you know, fill in the blank, AFib or high blood pressure. I mean, we really need to be looking back to the oral microbes. That being said, I do think there are certain brands that I am okay with for a short period of time. The antimicrobial toothpaste, you know, obviously the more natural ones. I also think like nano silver rinses can be very beneficial, but I like those short term. You can kind of overdo a lot, but until the patient finds health. And so that could be two months, it could be three months. You know, we're also bio-individual. But I don't think that's something for long-term use because yeah. you, you want to shift the microbiome to something of more commensal balance. And once you get there, then you're in a maintenance and you don't need those strong agents anymore. So I want to underline a couple of things you said that I think are important, that as this client is pursuing health, that's, I mean, for me, that's when I'm talking to them, right? So if I bring in antimicrobial toothpaste to help support 
this getting cleaned up because it's usually not amazing for a while and then switch over to something else. I think also, like you said, the products I'm using are, I think, high quality, good quality. When we're using herbs, it's a little different than if we're like using alcohol to swish, (laughs) I would say. And I think as you said eloquently is that humans have a tendency to do a little and then do a lot of a little thing, right? But you did put a nice timeline on it. Like two to three months is actually, I think, also super appropriate as you're pursuing health, right? And then it's like, well, you should be in a good, decent place at that point where it's like, if not, there's probably something missing here. And or I bet there's room to kind of cycle something in every once in a while if it feels like it's warranted because life Right, right. Because life, because life. life, we yeah, we fall out of our routines and our habits, and right. you know, that's, yeah, birthday cake. It's fine, totally. Which is you should. I mean, exactly. Totally important might be a nice uh, time to use some of this other toothpaste. Yeah, I think you word it perfectly well, and I think that the biggest concern are truly for me is the mouthwash industry. That's where I think we've been marketed to incorrectly. I'm not a huge fan of many mouthwashes at all, to be honest, but depending on what your client's needs or your patient's needs are, and this is where oral microbiome testing can come in, sometimes we need even more than an antimicrobial toothpaste, you know? And this is why working with a, a dental provider who might be knowledgeable in this arena can be important too, you know, as a medical provider, because there are spirochetes. I mean, there are pathogens in the mouth that may actually need antibiotics, especially if we're dealing with periodontal disease. So it it just all depends on the needs of the patient. You know, are we dealing with fungus? Are we dealing with really virulent microbes that we need to really target and specify? Is it a gut health issue? Is it mouth breathing? Is it what we're eating and snacking frequency? And what are we drinking? And, you know, all of that does matter. You'll notice I don't mention hygiene a whole lot. Now, dental hygiene is important, but I put it pretty far down on the list. I think some of these other things are much more important for our patients' health. And we've just been so focused on the whole brush and floss mantra for so long. I, I really think we're doing a disservice to our patients. I remember Dr. Blodgett said something that just I loved, which was your saliva bathes your teeth and your saliva is made of what you're drinking all day, right? Mm-hmm. So just, you know, just I like to oversimplify things. It's like, oh, that's a good thing to think about. That's all. Yeah. And and hydration. I mean, we know hydration is so important for our our entire body, but we don't really think about our saliva. But I can tell looking at a patient and looking at their saliva if they're quote unquote healthy. I mean, if it's if it's thick and mucusy and ropey versus, you know, viscous and fluid, that's a huge difference. And that means that the integrity of that saliva will be different. And our saliva really is the elixir of our mouth. I mean, it's protecting our teeth. This is where ion exchange happens. There's immune cells and immune response in the saliva. Enzymes as part of the digestive process. So you cannot underestimate the importance of hydration. And so that is just such an easy thing. We, we say it time and time again for no matter what we're focused on, on our health journey, but just adding a little more water every day and and making sure that you're absorbing it appropriately. Can With really minerals. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so hypothetically, if you were going to be creating a toothpaste, let's pretend you were annoyed by the toothpaste industry and you were going to create a toothpaste. How would you yeah. construct that? Yeah, I don't think we're focusing enough on the microbiome. So we need prebiotics. We need targeted probiotics. I would take out all the junk, all the surfactants and emulsifiers, you know, the sodium lauryl sulfate, 
which is the foaming agent. You don't want burn and you don't want foam. And I get frustrated because even some of the super quote unquote clean toothpaste, the mints, they burn. Now we've been conditioned to think that may, that means my mouth is clean. If it burns and tingles after, my mouth is clean. I argue the opposite. You are annihilating, wiping out, you know, essential oils in these flavorings, they're very antimicrobial and they're not spe- specific. So they are really altering the terrain and wiping out your healthy bacteria. Your toothpaste should not burn. And that can be a mindset shift and it can take deconditioning. It's just like when you switch deodorant, that took a transition period. When you switch your shampoo or maybe you wash your hair last, that was a transition period. And so I'd argue we need a big transition period with what we think is a successful toothpaste and and not. So, you know, a lot of the toothpaste I see out there, they have SLS derivatives. They say they're coconut based. They're still not doing great things. They're still acting as foaming agents. So they're better, but I still argue they're unnecessary. Glycerin gets spoken about a lot as inhibiting remineralization. I will tell you, I've spent, it seems like years now trying to find the proper research showing that this is happening. I disagree that there are findings showing that glycerin inhibits remineralization, but that being said, I am concerned with what it might be doing to the microbes in the community of bacteria. So I don't think it's necessary. It's just less is more. And of course, I love nanohydroxyapatite. And I, I think really a mix of micro and nano is what the research is showing is best for efficacy. And that combination, it's outperforming fluoride, which is wonderful. Because unless you're eating strict, strict paleo, which I'm not advocating for that, I'm just saying if you're eating any type of fermentable carbohydrate or mouth breathing, you are cavity prone. I mean, you're setting yourself for the potential for cavity. So I do think you need some sort of remineralizing agent, especially in our kids. And again, cavities are rampant. I can't keep up in my office with how many children are coming in. And these are well-intentioned families doing everything correctly. And their kids are still suffering from this, what should be preventable disease. And the other thing I'm seeing as a silent epidemic that I think needs more attention is undermineralized enamel in teeth or hypoplastic teeth. So these poor babies, their teeth are erupting and they're already set up for failure because the teeth are just deficient in minerals. And you can see them, they'll be chalky or white or mottled and they will sometimes just crumble and they dissolve. And this is when you hear women being told it's their breastfeeding stop breastfeeding. Your breastfeeding is causing your kids cavities. But really the root cause issue, I believe, is the integrity of the child's teeth. And so going upstream, what are the reasons for that? Well, we don't fully know. Again, it's going to be bio-individual, but I argue it's very likely mineral deficiencies that we all are suffering from because our soil is so depleted, particularly magnesium. We're vitamin D deficient. That's hugely important for dental development. But also there are studies that are showing microplastics are affecting amelogenesis and for disrupting the hormone process of enamel formation. And so that can feel overwhelming because microplastics are everywhere. What are we supposed to do? But I think on a bigger level, you know, this is where sustainability really comes in. And we need to be so mindful about plastics in our environment. They're affecting us in ways that I think we don't even fully understand yet. And even that includes now our children's teeth. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, so what are we going to put in the best toothpaste? We're going to put things that are not good. We're going to put nanohydroxyapatite and microhydroxyapatite and pre and probiotics. I like a little bentonite clay, as long as it's from the appropriate source, just like the nanohydroxyapatite and, you know, some clean flavorings, some xylitol. So xylitol is one of the only sweeteners now that has benefits to the oral microbiome and not the opposite, including gut health effects. So that's kind of it. I mean, keep it real simple. There shouldn't be a lot of ingredients in your toothpaste. Mm -hmm. Cool. We'll circle back to that. Later. Okay. So we talked about toothpaste. We talked about microbes. I think it's time to go back to where this started, which was mouth breathing and airway Mm -hmm. stuff. So let's talk about airway stuff and sleep health. Now, since we were talking about mouth breathing, let's just get this elephant out of the room. Do you recommend mouth taping in kids? I feel like this could go both ways. Like, what do you. I do if they've been cleared by the appropriate individuals. So that generally means working with an airway-focused or trained dentist, but also probably being screened by an ear, nose, and throat doctor. Certainly if they have enlarged adenoids or tonsils or some true obstruction, no, we don't want to be taping. But if it's a myofunctional issue, if it's a habit, if it's a low tone issue, if it's an orthodontic issue that is going to take many months to correct, but you're you know, we're trying to get a child breathing appropriately in the meantime, then yes, I think if the family is open to it and the child understands the reasons, I'm a big advocate for sleep tape or mouth tape. So airway dentistry is kind of a big topic. I feel like it's really having a heyday right now online, very popular, but also kind of maybe, you know, if you're not really even sure what the heck this is, it's kind of a lot. So can we actually, yeah, I was trying to avoid the word, but that's kind of how I feel about it. Cause it's like, what is the real problem? Is there a problem? Is this train, you know, I used to walk around with my mouth open a lot and be a mouth breather. And then I changed. (laughs) So I don't know, you know, it's like, is there a functional structural issue or is there something else going on? So can we try to describe airway dentistry in a nutshell? I'm guessing there's some flavors here because it's probably like, can you just call yourself an airway dentist? Like what would someone be credentialed in if they were an airway dentist? Right. So let's try to nugget that and then we can talk about how people might assess if this even Yeah. Is. I mean, unfortunately, yeah, you can call yourself anything you want right now. You could be a holistic dentist. You can be a functional dentist. You can be an airway dentist. There's no board certification programs for any of these right now, per se. Um, Working on that, by the way, at least the functional dental part. But that being said, I mean, ideally, your airway trained or focused dentist would have additional training. So you're going to see, are they a member of different airway and sleep medicine groups? Have they had training? The Breathe Institute in Los Angeles with Dr. Shrush Jaggi, who's an otolaryngologist and ENT, is a very popular training program that a lot of people go through. You have to look at their website, I think. See, what are they involved in? What procedures are they offering? Are they doing phrenectomies? Do they mention myofunctional therapy? Do they talk about craniosacral therapy and chiropractic and body work? Because it's all integrated and it's all connected. But I mean, yeah, anyone could call themselves an airway dentist. So I would say just dig a little bit, but usually their website will be pretty clear to you, I think. And I'm also a big advocate for patients. If it doesn't feel right, get a second, third, fourth opinion as needed. I was going to say, trying to crack open airway dentistry. 
Why would someone pursue airway dentistry? Yeah, I mean, so we are not taught anything about airway assessment in dental school. So that's an institutional issue. And that includes orthodontists. I mean, any specialty, maybe just brushing the surface. But I personally pursued more education and training because of something that happened with my daughter. She had major airway issues. She had a posterior tongue tie. We had a terrible time breastfeeding. She slept horribly as an infant and young child. She had colic. She had reflux. She was off her growth curve. Then we noticed behavioral issues because a lot of these chronic mouth breathing airway issues can manifest as almost like ADHD symptoms and signs. So that's what sent me down my path. And most dentists who pursued additional training have something similar within their families because this is so common. So I think, you know, if you're just going to a normal dentist, they're very unlikely to do an airway screening. And so there's additional intake forms. There's additional measurements that we do. There's additional things that we look for in our exam. So we're not just looking at teeth. We're looking at structure, jaw relationship. You know, we're looking up the nose. Is there deviated septum? Does a patient seem in balance skeletal muscularly? What is their bite like, their occlusion? What is the tone of their muscles in their mouth and their tongue looking like? What is their tongue position and posture? So there's a whole checklist that we go through. And then what will happen based on the patient or child's needs is we will guide the patient. So we work sort of as a quarterback to help guide them in a hopefully non-overwhelming way to say, okay, I do think your child has enlarged adenoids. I can hear them breathing across the room. I suggest that you work with maybe this naturopathic provider to talk about allergies and mold, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But also it's probably a good idea to go see the ENT to look at structural issues too, because it can be multifaceted. And that's what's most overwhelming about airway is it's usually not just one thing. It's usually a multitude of things and it usually involves multiple providers. So there's an airway team that needs to work with your family. Yeah. Kind of tricky, right? It's kind of tricky to have. It's like doing a home remodeling project. Yeah, there's many layers. And so knowing where to start is the hardest part. And that's where, you know, hopefully your airway dental team will guide you. And a huge component of this, too, is orthodontics and having jaws that are too small. And that's truly what we're seeing. That's why we feel there is this epidemic is that humans, our jaws are getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And you can trace this ancestrally. I mean, you go to the Natural History Museum in New York, pick up a skull. They have huge wide jaws, huge wide palates. Their wisdom teeth are completely in. And now we don't have that. Our wisdom teeth can't fit. Our teeth are crowded. Our palates are narrow. And that just, it's a volume issue. We don't have enough space and surface area for our teeth to fit, for our tongue to fit. And that takes up airway space too. And so a lot of things. Why would that happen? So we know, we believe we know, the anthropologists believe they know. So we used to chew four hours a day ancestrally, 10,000 years ago. We would chew, chew, chew all day long. And so that force, that act of mastication, it was, especially from a young age, was creating jaw development. You know, your tongue is a huge muscle. If it's forcing out and out and out every time with a chew, the skeletal structure will follow that. So form follows function. And muscle is more powerful than bone. So in the battle between muscle and bone, muscle will win. 
So now we choose four minutes a day. So from four hours a day to four minutes a day, because we have mac and cheese and we have chicken nuggets and we have frappuccinos and we're just not chewing. And so that we notice a big shift after the agricultural revolution and then even more so after the industrialized revolution where we started processing and milling and not having to chew, essentially. So that's the theory. Yep. I think chewing is the, well, I'm sure we both agree. Chewing is the beginning of digestion and it yeah. just does not happen. And people and do it sends digest. so many and- signals to the brain and primes the pump and all of, I mean, it's not just facial development and airway development. I mean, from a naturopathic or functional medicine perspective, of course, it's helping with so many things downstream too for digestion. Right. Why do we have digestive issues? We are Mm -hmm. not digesting. Follow our food hole. Yeah. I mean, even smoothies, you know, we think of smoothies as so healthy, but I've attended courses where, you know, the experts are saying you should chew your smoothie because it's priming the pump. It's sending those signals to get your digestive enzymes ready and all the hormones that are needed to regulate society and hunger and all those cues. So, yeah. Okay. All right. Let's maybe narrow down airway dentistry from just a moment. The one that's, I think, the hot topic, which is tongue and lip ties. Yeah. How does someone assess if this is in situation and why is this happening to people at this maybe greater prevalence or maybe it's not or maybe it's awareness? I have no idea. It's a hot topic. Yeah, that's a hot topic. It's for sure controversial, even in the people I mentor and admire, because there's not a lot of research behind it, because it's really hard to do a randomized control trial on these little babies. But I think it's a mix. I mean, there are some methylation concerns that maybe that's why we're seeing it more. And is this linked to MTHFR, COMT, gene mutations, et cetera, et cetera. That is not solid in the science. That being said, I do think we're just more aware of it. But if you actually look historically, we used to diagnose tongue and lip tie a lot back in the day. And then it took this hiatus. And so the Mm -hmm. counter argument is it's always been there. But now we're just diagnosing it like we used to again. So it's just like syndactyly, you know, if your fingers are are fused together, it's just it's when that frenum under your tongue or lip is short, it's not flexible, it's tight, it's not allowing for proper tongue mobility or lip mobility. I like to focus a little bit more on tongue tie because I think it has more impact, at least from an airway standpoint. And so, you know, when we're in utero... This starts when we're inside our mamas, our tongue should be up at the roof of our mouth. That's called proper tongue resting position. And our tongue is this huge muscle and spreads the palate out by sitting up there, by resting. It's spreading the palate. It's creating the mid face and broadening the face. So if it's physically tied to the floor of the mouth, it can't lift. And so those bones never spread optimally. And the tongue sits low. And if you just play around with your own mouth, put your tongue low behind your lower front teeth and try to close your lips and breathe through your nose. It's really awkward. The only way that you really mouth breathe is if your tongue's low, your mouth pops open. Like think of Napoleon Dynamite. If your tongue is up high and elevated up to the roof of the mouth, your lips naturally close. Now, the problem is, again, form follows function. So the more you mouth breathe, the more you mouth breathe, the more you mouth breathe. And if you're a mouth breather, it actually is going to change the way you grow. So 
that you tend to grow a long, narrow, forward growth pattern. And that's not optimal. We want to be growing out wide and not long and narrow because that's, again, changing the airway complex. So, you know, a lot of tongue ties get messed. They do. And there's a lot of controversy about what's happening in hospitals with diagnosis. I've attended IBCLC conferences where it was like a safe space. And the IBCLCs there that work for hospitals say they they have gag orders. Like they literally cannot talk to a mom about tongue and lip tie. It has to come from the, the physician. And then many physicians will poo-poo this as well. So sometimes you do need to go outside and find either like a private IBCLC or again, that airway trained dentist that maybe focuses on infants for for optimal diagnosis. But I think the big thing is trust your instincts. You know, if you're really struggling with breastfeeding, if if it's extremely painful, if your baby just doesn't seem right with their colic and their reflux and just feedings are taking so long and everyone's so exhausted and you feel like you're breastfeeding all day long, I think you really should seek another opinion and get help because it really can make a big difference. It can really change the, the experience of the dyad. I was going to ask where people should start if they feel like they have some concerns around that. Maybe the starting point for education is different than if they're trying to find somebody potentially, mm-hmm. technically. I think the best place to start would be an IBCLC, maybe outside of the conventional hospital system. Perfect. So private practice, probably. A breastfeeding specialist with a credential is what she's yeah. saying, in case you don't know yep. IBCLC is. All right. Yes. Nope, that's fine. Specialist. Yeah, perfect. Okay. I think we covered a lot of great stuff today. We talked about oral gut microbiome and we rounded back to airway health, which impacts sleep health, which impacts, I feel, everything. Behavior, hormones. I mean, so much. Your gut health, your microbiome. I mean, how we breathe. Some argue how we breathe is foundational for health. You can be doing all the things. And if you're not breathing optimally, you may be suffering from some health issues. So important. That is, I hope we can get that more popular thing. I'm over here trying to see how we can make breath work sexy. I think about this all the time. So, or making optimal breathing a little more sexy. So let's talk about where can people find you online? Yeah, sure, 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 sure. So I spend a lot of time on Instagram um, and a bit on TikTok and I have a YouTube channel. So you can find me Dr. underscore Stacy. It's D-O-C-T-O-R underscore S-T-A-C-I. I have a website, drstacy.com, spelled out the same way. So drstacy.com and at Dr. underscore Stacy with an I. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Sharing and reviewing this podcast is the best way to help us succeed with our mission to help integrate the best of East and West and empower you to raise the bar on your health story. Just go to reviewthispodcast.com forward slash less stressed life. That's reviewthispodcast.com forward slash less stressed life. And you'll be taken directly to a page where you can insert your review and hit post. Post.